0: Today is Thursday, September 26, 2019. On this day in 1989, 1995, and 1997, one of the most prolific serial killers of all time, Harold Shipman, killed three different elderly women in Hyde, a town in Northwest England. The victims, Elizabeth Mary Burke, Dora Elizabeth Ashton, and Bessie Swan, were not strangers to Shipman. They were his patients. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today's episode is a little different than usual. We're discussing not one, not two, but three murders, all taking place on September 26th in different years. This is par for the course when discussing Harold Shipman, known as Dr. Death. He killed as many as 250 people from 1971 to 1998. It's hard to find a date when he didn't take a life. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode features discussions of murder. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Before we explore Shipman's serial killer career, let's go back to Elizabeth Burke's murder on Tuesday, September 26th, 1989. Harold Shipman sat in his office at Donnybrook Surgery. After two decades of practicing medicine, he wasn't tired of it in the least. He knew he was the best doctor in Hyde, maybe in Greater Manchester. His patients loved him. Most were dithering idiots, but still, they recognized his greatness. Why else would they put their lives in his hands? He was the only one who qualified to keep them going or to decide that their time had come. Today he was going to visit the home of Elizabeth Mary Burke. She was 82. No reason to keep things going, he thought to himself. Everyone always wanted to keep their dear old mothers alive for as long as possible, no matter the true quality of their life. They didn't understand that it was a charity to just put them down and get it over with. Shipman had watched his own mother die slowly and painfully from cancer. No one had shown her the mercy he now dispensed. His mind flashed to the dozens of patients he'd made these decisions for. Shipman felt pride in being able to help them. At least, that's what he liked to focus on. But always, at the back of his head, there was that pleasure he took in watching them die. There was a rush knowing that one moment a patient had been alive, and the next... They were dead. Because of him. Because of the power he wielded. He reached down into a drawer and pulled out his stash of diamorphine. The little clear vials invited him to partake, take the edge off. No, not now. He had to make the five-minute drive to Elizabeth Burke's house. Killing her would be a greater rush, he promised himself. Removing one of the vials, he packed it in his bag with his other equipment and walked out the office door. He immediately encountered various staff members and his wife, Primrose, who was his receptionist. Several of the younger doctors were always trying to get his opinion. All these fools in the offices at Donnybrook Surgery would never understand his methods. They weren't as smart as him. They knew half as much and obeyed orders from distant administrators who knew even less. Some administration. For years, he had been altering medical records without anyone becoming the wiser. Waving off the pestering staff as he walked down the hall, Shipman headed out to his car. He drove the five minutes out to Carter Place, Elizabeth Burke's home. She lived in the same type of squat, brown house as everyone else in Hyde. They were like cattle in their pens. Shipman parked, got out, and went to knock on the door. She greeted him with a smile. He returned the gesture. Time to get to work. Six years passed after the murder of Elizabeth Burke. Shipman continued his killings. On September 26, 1995, he parked in front of his new office on Market Street and headed inside. It had been an adjustment moving into a private practice Just a few years earlier, in 1992, the fools at Donnybrook surgery began moving toward an electronic record system. It seemed the administration was finally making some halfway intelligent decisions. But this was a problem for Shipman. Computers meant memory. Memory of each change made to a medical record. Not only that, but an indication of who had made the change. He didn't doubt the benevolent work he was doing, but he doubted he could continue to get away with it with the advent of the digital age at Donnybrook. Thus, the new office. Shipman stopped in front to admire it. The small office sat on the first floor of a brick strip mall. A plain white sign read, The Surgery, 21 Market Street. It was framed by an iron awning painted green. He thought it looked smart, professional, a monument to his success, a private place where he could carry out his profession in whatever way he deemed appropriate. As he entered, he found that Dora Elizabeth Ashton, 87, was already waiting for him. His elderly clientele were always coming to visit for unnecessary checkups. They were clearly lonely and had nothing better to do. That familiar anger welled up inside of him. If she was so lonely, maybe he had better put her out of her misery. He invited her into the examination room. Dora Ashton was far from Shipman's last victim. As the years passed, he stopped trying to shake the feeling of pleasure he got when he watched someone die. Did God wince when he took a life? In 1995 alone, he took more than 30. His practice treated thousands. It was only natural that a few wouldn't make it. By Friday, September 26, 1997, his practice was thriving. No one was closer to discovering his methods. All he had to do was change the record after a murder. It didn't hurt if he could convince the relatives of his patients to cremate their loved one. Another perk of running his own private practice was that he could more easily nurse his morphine habit. There was less of a need to make house calls, fewer staff members or fellow doctors to grow suspicious. That day, Bessie Swan, a 79-year-old family woman, asked him to make a house call, yet another elderly patient dragging out their pathetic life. He had already killed dozens this year. What was one more? Next, we'll delve deeper into Harold Shipman and attempt to discover what turned him from a regular doctor to a doctor of death. Now back to the story. Dr. Harold Shipman, also known as Dr. Death, killed hundreds of his patients from 1971 to 1998. He typically injected them with diamorphine, an extremely dangerous painkiller that in strong doses can cause cardiac arrest or sudden breathing cessation. The nature of his crimes means that many of the murders weren't recognized until years later. Instead, families assumed that their elderly loved ones died of natural causes. Shipman was kept in business due to the fragmented medical system in England at the time. He had been censured for drug abuse in 1975 and was sued for a six-figure payday by a patient in 1989. But these were handled by different agencies, and there was no singular record where the public could view the information. By 1989, he had killed dozens of patients, mostly older women with terminal illnesses. To cover his tracks, he falsified medical records to indicate that the patient's death was consistent with their illness. Sometimes the patient wasn't even especially ill. There is evidence to suggest that Shipman killed perfectly healthy patients, who simply annoyed him. It's also always possible that some of these elderly patients really did die of natural causes. But of course, the sheer volume proves that something unnatural was taking place. Shipman's behavior outside of the examining room suggests that he was pathologically selfish. Though he was known for his pleasant bedside manner, he was also notorious for his condescending attitude. Shipman's psychology is truly a mystery. Unlike many serial killers, he didn't seek fame, and investigators rarely got two words from him. But he does fit the bill for the hallmarks of antisocial personality disorder, the mental illness from which many serial killers suffer. Retired clinical psychologist and author Dr. Steve Bressert wrote that those with antisocial personality disorder enjoy violating the rights of others and have an inflated sense of themselves in the world. Harold Shipman matched that description to such an extreme that it seems an understatement. As we've seen in the cases of Elizabeth Mary Burke, Dora Elizabeth Ashton, and Bessie Swan, he killed year after year and never showed any sign of remorse. But there was a silver lining to that last death Barry Swan, Bessie's son, was a longtime advocate for further investigation into Harold Shipman. He was quoted in a BBC report saying that both the police and medical professionals made a series of misjudgments that allowed Shipman to kill as many as he did. In recent years, Barry has been somewhat of a watchdog, reminding the public of Shipman's horrors. When a song was released in 2007, suggesting that Dr. Death was framed, Barry Swan was the first to decry it as sensationalist rubbish. Thanks in part to advocacy like this from relatives of the victims, Harold Shipman was found guilty of murder on January 31, 2000. He hanged himself in his jail cell four years later on January 13, 2004. After his death, the British medical system was changed permanently to prevent crimes like Shipman's from ever happening again. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on Harold Shipman, check out the episodes of Serial Killers that dive deeper into the case. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carrie Murphy, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Greg Castro. I'm Vanessa Richardson.